What books should you consider reading as you begin your apologetic journey? We revisit an episode where Bobby gives his suggestions. Hello, Thinking Christians. Welcome to The Unapologetic Show, where we defend truth without compromise with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I'm your host, Tim Hall. Let's jump into this episode. So now, taking books, I would say, I think there's a, num- there's a number of books uh, that can help somebody to become acclimated in the apologetic enterprise. Good, good way to put it. I think one book uh, that I would start with in, uh, on, a, on a popular level this, and I think all the books I'm going to list right now are on a popular level. So anybody could pick these books up and read them. But take, for example, Timothy Keller, His Reason for God. That is a great book, and I know you have a copy of this. Here's a New York Times bestselling author. You know what I appreciate about this book, Tim? It's written by a pastor. Yeah. I, I really love to see pastors who are apologetically robust and able to articulate the truthfulness of Christianity in a way that is contextualized, that people can grasp the beauty and grandeur and glory of who God is. Mm. And I think Keller does a great job. He addresses things like uh, God's existence, the problem of evil, the nature of miracles, these types of things. And um, I think people will be really blessed in reading this book. And I think really picking up a lot of Keller's books, because as a pastor, I think what he does so well is he looks at the biblical theology, Mm -hmm. But then he has a good awareness of where culture is at on how to apply the truthfulness of Scripture to people today. And so this was a great book, and I think he uh, did a wonderful job. So uh, what I love about this is it's a pastor, and a pastor who's respected. Unfortunately, uh, I I think some pastors see apologetics as an option. Uh, That was not even remotely the case uh, of the early church. I mean, you had to know how to defend the faith. You're going to get your lunch eaten. So we've talked about this before. I mean, the pastor who doesn't bother equipping the church with apologetics and just says, go out and love the culture. Well, I mean, that's equivalent to sending people off to war with an M16 and never teaching them how to load the gun. Uh, You're going to get shot up out there. People are going to ask you questions, and we just want people to know how to answer them in a winsome way. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So I, I, I I loved this book. Uh, I read it, I think, probably almost 10 years ago now, uh, shortly after it came out. And yeah, it was one of my my first, you know, probably five or six books that I read uh, as, as a, a budding apologist. So I would completely agree. So what's uh, what's another one that you would suggest? I don't I don't I don't have physical copies of all the books that Bobby's going to suggest. Some of them, uh, you know, we have on Kindle. Some of them, uh, you know, we have on Audible. But uh, there's there's just a number of great books out there. Um, I looked on my bookshelf as we were kind of uh, getting ready for this uh, live and tried to find as many as I could. But um, so what's another one that we could go with? Yeah, another one that I really loved, and I was just looking it up on my phone right here. Um, and I've read this a few times, but it's The Universe Next Door. And this is by James Sire. Okay. And what I love about this book, and um, I believe you can listen to it on Audible as well. And just as an insert, many books uh, that are out there on Audible, it's a great way to learn. Um, I know that I've listened to, I think, probably close to 600 books on Audible um, over the last 
I don't know, six years or so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I probably go through a hundred books a year on on audible there was a season maybe i was doing 200 this past year i've slimmed it back a little bit um you know i taught myself to speed listen and that's another thing you can adjust the speeds and listen and just lock in uh so a lot of these books if 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 people want to learn the discipline you can work out you can drive you can make your time productive you can mow the lawn while you're listening to this stuff but the universe next door is fantastic because what sire does is he helps us to understand the different major worldviews that are out there. Deism, you know, pantheism, panentheism, uh, you know, polytheism, uh, you know, theism. Yep. And he and he really just helps you to understand the, the, the mindset of these different worldviews. And then we get a kind of a way to understand how we can insert our Christianity into it and why Christian worldview is the most robust of the other options that are out there. Great. Awesome. So I... I, when this when this episode's all over, we'll take some time and put some links to these books, maybe on Amazon, uh, in the description. So we don't have them there if you're watching this live with us, but we'll try to get those uh, posted over here in the next you know couple hours or so. So what would be another one? I have not read that book, so I can't comment comment much on it at all. Yeah. But um, what, what's another book that, suggestion that you have? Well, here's another book that I like by James Sire, and this is a pithy book. And uh, it's called A A Little Primer on Humble Apologetics. Sounds good. One of the things, and you know, I was just talking to you before we went on this program, there are just people that can be just so overly black and white. And if you're not as black and white as them, you've just sold out on the Christian faith. And uh, they're they're mavericks, they're overly black and white, they're pharisaical in their spirit, they're harsh and judgmental. And if you're not like that, you've just compromised the whole Christian faith. And it drives me nuts. And uh, sometimes early on in our endeavors. And a lot of times people like that, they'll think they're the most educated, but they've really just studied in one tight box arena. And what happens is, is the uh, the more we study, we get humbled by the world of information out there. And I think his book, James Sire, A Little Primer on Humble Apologetics, it's a short book. But it's well worth the read because it sets the tone um, by which the apologetics uh, you know, mission should be let out in. We should try to have some humility that we don't know uh, everything, that we can learn from other people. Sure. And I think that that can be helpful. Yeah, definitely. I, I would completely agree. Again, I have not read that specific book, but I think any book that has, you know, kind of that general ethos is going to be really important because I've experienced that in my own life, man. Like this whole world of apologetic knowledge opens up to you that you never even knew existed before. At least for me, I didn't even know it was there. And you're just like, man, I'm just going to go gung-ho and, you know, go out swinging and bringing it back and having a more humble approach to that and understand that how much you don't know is really, really, really important. So, so that's good. So uh, what's another one that you got for us? Well, I think it uh, would, I would be remiss to not uh, mention C.S. Lewis and his book, Mere Christianity. That is a book that really helped popularize, um, you know, apologetics uh, and get really apologetics on the market. You know, C.S. Lewis is often referred to as a scholar, rightfully so, and as mm-hmm. an apologist. But his his main forte at Cambridge and Oxford was, you know, he was a, a literature scholar yeah. uh, in the classics. And so C.S. Lewis, kind of as a hobby, he gets saved. Uh, I, I, and I love this. C.S. Lewis was you know, kind of into apologetics. He went from atheism to kind of deism. His brother was taking him to the zoo in England. And his brother had a motorcycle with a sidecar and C.S. Lewis was in the sidecar. 
And he explains that uh, he was on his way to the zoo and his conversion story goes like this, you know, I don't know how to explain it. I just know when I got into my brother's sidecar, I was uh, unconverted. And when I arrived at the zoo, I I believed. It was as if his journey was done. And so his book's amazing, yeah. uh, C.S. Lewis. I mean, it's, if, it's, if somebody reads Mere Christianity and doesn't like it, that, the problem is more a commentary on a person, right? Yeah. Sometimes we don't want to say, oh, everybody likes this book, so I don't want to mention it. I go, well, there's a reason uh, Lewis's book's so great. What I love about it is uh, my, my PhD research was on the moral argument. Mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis was the one who also popularized the moral argument, and he does that in the first several chapters of Mere Christianity. Yeah. So you had other people like Hastings Rashdale, uh, William Sorley, uh, Immanuel Kant was the first person to kind of put out an argument, uh, a moral argument for the existence of God. And, mo- and moral arguments are kind of theoretical and practical in nature. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he kind of put his out, Kant, and then others would really follow. And uh, Kant was interesting. Like, Kant didn't believe that you could look at arguments for the existence of God. Yeah. But he did believe in the moral argument. And he argued from pure practical reason. He offered a practical argument yep. for the existence of God. So C.S. Lewis's book can help you on the moral argument, and it can help you in other territory as well. Yeah. One of the things that I loved about uh, Mere Christianity was the the analogies and the word pictures that oh, C.S. Sure. Lewis used to describe, you know, the argumentation and kind of the Christian worldview and and laying out some of his points again, because that's what his forte was. I mean, man, the Chronicles of Narnia were just awesome. And a lot of his books just have that, uh, you know, really great imagery and, and pictures to them. And so as again, as a beginning uh, apologist kind of getting into this, it really helped me put, you know, kind of this language to things that I just never was able to, to grasp before. And so that's one of the reasons that I love that book. If you you're watching this and you've read C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, go ahead and leave us a comment uh, in the chat and let us know if you've checked out Mere Christianity and what your thoughts are about it and if you enjoyed it as much as Bobby and I did when we read it. We will continue with the book suggestions in just a moment, but I wanted to remind you that this is a listener-supported show and we are looking to work towards a goal of $25,000 raised in support before the end of 2022. We would invite you that if you are enjoying this episode and wish to continue to see more more episodes like this for you to join our support team at oneminuteapologist.com slash form. We're also looking to reach the goal of 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, and we would invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Let's jump back in. So Bobby, what's another one other than uh, the few we've got so far? Well, I would say um, a book that really did good and still does good, and rightfully so, is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist by Frank Turek and Norman Geisler. Uh, What I like about this book is they walk through what they refer to as the 12 points of apologetics. And I loved the whole uh, approach because they start with the fact that uh, there are people who make these postmodern claims that there is no such thing as truth, so they try to establish truth, mm-hmm. and then they utilize the um, the correspondence theory of truth. Then once they establish that there is such a thing as truth, then they move their way toward different arguments for the existence of God, looking at the teleological, uh, the cosmological, mm-hmm. and the moral argument. Then after doing that, once they establish God's existence, right, uh, then they get to... Uh, talk about the reliability of the New Testament and the authority of Scripture. And then they end up looking at the person and nature of Jesus, and they look at his resurrection. So it it, it does a great job. And what's so good about this book, for example, um, 
if you're sharing the gospel with a Muslim, you don't need to start with arguments for the existence of God. Right, right, exactly. Right? So, uh, but if you're dealing with someone who says there is no such thing as truth, then you need to establish that there is such a thing as truth. Yeah. And that's why their book allows you to pick up. So you can start in different spots depending where people are at. And for that reason, I think that they did a wonderful job with that book. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist was one of the two books that I read uh, right at the beginning of my apologetic journey. And it really, uh, you know, again, helped me give some of that language. I really appreciated that. Now, I, I listened to the book, like we were talking about earlier, while I was, uh, you know, doing yard work and cutting trees and whatnot. And there were so many times when I had to stop and rewind and listen to a part again because I was like, wow, that's really insightful. Um, and really good. And then uh, so much so that at that point, um, ended up bringing Frank Turek into the, the church that I was at to do, uh, I don't have enough faith in atheist presentation mm. and that coupled really well. So that yeah. was, that was a, a number of years ago. So yeah, I, I completely agree. So, so far we have talked about, uh, let's see if we can remember them all. Reason for God. We talked about um, the, the two books and uh, one was The Universe Next Door and a Humble uh, Apologetics, Humble Beginning. Little, little uh, Humble Primer. Humble apolog- Primer yeah. to Apologetics. We've talked about C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. We've talked about I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. So that's five. What else do we got? Well, and I would say to your point that people will uh, be maybe intimidated by the language at first of apologetics, but it'll get easier. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I heard William Lane Craig, I thought, my goodness, like this guy is just brilliant. And he is brilliant. I love listening to William Lane Craig. But, you know, when I'm listening to his like Defenders podcast, I'll listen to it at double speed now. Right. And that's, uh, you don't start with William Lane Craig at double speed. <laughs> no. But what happens is you just start listening to this stuff so much that you'll get used to the territory and it'll be easier to capture it. Now, I want to say, uh, to the Christian apologist who's listening, thank you for sharing your insights. And you said that you enjoy Greg Kokel's books. And I would say one book by Greg Kokel is worth mentioning that can help people is his book on tactics. And the reason I like tactics is because that helps us to know how to talk about our apologetics, to talk about what it is that we believe. And so we can have all the right information, but if we don't have, uh, you know, an ability to talk and communicate and have rhetoric, then we're going to be having problems. And again, that goes back to, I'm always fearful of the, of the people who are just you're overly black and white, harsh, judgmental. They just want to beat you up with, uh, they, they just cast judgment all over the place. And they think that they're the ones that hold the corner of truth. That, that these people uh, make it so difficult and create so many black eyes in the Christian church. And so I would say having some tact uh, can be really helpful. Um, you know, I would say that Jesus, who was he hardest with? The Pharisees. The Pharisees. Yeah. They're, yeah. yeah that, that, and, and I'd say that's who I, I'm tempted to be harshest with too. Those that just think they have it all together, just, just go out because, but, and they won't see it anyway. But this is, uh, this is something that's so important, tactfulness, because a lot of people will be humble and yeah. a lot of people will listen. And a lot of people will appreciate what we're laying out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, I completely agree. I think tactics was one of, um, you know, the first few books that I read and it was good. And I've, um, you know, done presentations kind of using the tactics model and talked about that. Love, love, love that book. Um, so, okay. So are there, are there any more? I don't know. We've got six sure. so far. Are there any more? I think I could, I think I can give, uh, 
A couple more. Okay. I'd say uh, William Lane Craig, uh, his book On Guard would yep. be helpful. I actually uh, had William Lane Craig fly out uh, to Charlotte several years ago, and I had the privilege of uh, spending a few days in studio with him, and I interviewed him on his book On Guard, and the, the, the end product was we had a DVD curriculum that people could watch. And people can go to Biola University's bookstore and find the On Guard DVD curriculum. Um, I did do my best to get uh, William Lane Craig to put the cookies on the, on the lower shelf. He thinks he's putting the cookies on the lower <laughs> shelf, but but it's always probably his children's book is the place to begin if you're an adult <laughs> right. uh, and wanting to start. But I do I do appreciate Craig's work so much. Yeah. Uh, he's such a scholar, and I think his book On Guard is the place to start. Then after that, you could kind of go to Reasonable Faith, and then you can go to Philosophical Foundations of a Christian Worldview. Then you can go to the Blackwell Companion, right. and so you can kind of work your way up. Yeah. And I guess be, before On Guard, start with the children's <laughs> right, books. Right. And you'll have this entire trajectory. Yes. Being, uh, introduced to him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I, I've read On Guard. It's great. I go back and reference that often because it just has some really good um, ways that he, again, kind of articulates things and kind of the stories that he gives uh, around some of the arguments I think are really, really, really helpful. So, okay, man, we're up to seven so far. I hope you guys are writing these down for your Christmas list to give to somebody else to say, hey, uh, if you need some Christmas gifts, <laughs> Here are some books that I would enjoy. What's maybe another one? I think the classics, but it's funny, man. Time just goes by so quick, and now I'm like calling these things classics. But Lee Strobel's The, the Case for series. So The Case yeah. for Creator, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. Here's what I like about these books. Um, Strobel is obviously a popular level apologist, but he interviews uh, bona fide scholars. Yeah. So it's an entryway into understanding who some of the real key players and thinkers are in the arena uh, that he's talking about. And so he has a trilogy, and he also has a case for Christ, case for faith, case for creator for students. Mm, yeah. We could even throw our dear friend, uh, you know, fr um, Jay Warner Wallace in there yeah. because he's done a lot of great stuff as well. Uh, but I love what Strobel did because he went to each of these scholars and he used to be an atheist and he was a journalist and he just took those journalistic skills and he basically gets these scholars to help us to digest the beauty of Christianity. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, one of the things that I was just thinking about as you were talking is one of the things that One Man Apologist, Bobby specifically, has tried to do over the last 11 years is bring on some of these authors as they were publishing the book and give them an opportunity to kind of break down the, the content of their book or some of the larger pieces of their book in shorter snippets. So, um, you know, things like I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. We have a number of videos on our channel where Frank Turk is kind of giving large, you know, kind of overview in a short period of time. So if you're interested in the book and you're like, I want to find out a little bit more about it before I read it, more than what we've given here today, you can go search on our channel for those videos. I know that Greg Kokel has talked about tactics a number of times. Um, you just mentioned uh, James Warner Wallace. He's talked about, uh, you know, cold case Christianity and kind of some of the overviews of that. So yeah, we, we've tried to, you know, 
as we're doing here, give you an, an intro into apologetics on a number of different things. And we have several videos on our channel. We even have a video where you talk about um, your process of learning how to speed listen, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah. So yeah. if someone is interested and be like, man, I really want to be able to, to consume more of this content at a faster rate, you can check out that video as well on our channel. Just search um, speed listening on our channel and that will come up. So, okay, so I think we're up to eight books now. Do we, do we have any more? Uh, you know, I think that we could probably get up to 10. Okay. And uh, you can, uh, you know, I know that you brought out uh, two of mine and not wanting to self-promote, um, but I felt like they could be helpful. Yeah. Um, and one is Doubting Toward Faith. And the reason I would recommend this, again, it's just because of my agony. And I really care deeply about people who might be struggling with doubt. Um, you know, early on when you're learning apologetics, you might not be struggling with doubt. It, it could be once, you know, so what happens is, is you become a believer in your hand of the set of beliefs. And that's all you know. But then you start learning, oh, well, there's competing views. And then there's competing views and you're competing views. And you could start throwing your hands up. Yeah. And, <coughs> excuse me. And I went through a real crisis of faith as a pastor, as a Christian apologist, um, literally where I ended up on antidepressants. I uh, started having suicidal ideation. And you would think, well, my goodness, why was that? It was because Jesus meant more to me than anything in the world. And the thought of thinking I'd been duped was horrifying. Mm. And I would say that doubt if, if for a true believer should create existential angst. And that's because Jesus means so much to us and, not, and our forgiveness means so much to us. Somebody who has doubts and it doesn't even bother them, um, you got to wonder how meaningful their faith is. And so I, I really think the reason that, um, you know, I had these thoughts and everything is because I didn't know how to even begin to think about how to live without God. Um, and fortunately, by God's grace, he would pull me through. But I mean, I'm telling you, I ended up in counseling, antidepressants, I had suicide ideation. I mean, it was so scary. Um, I was out in the deep waters of philosophical thought working on my second doctorate degree. And um, I had been camping out with Nietzsche a bunch. And not that I bought, bought into his thoughts. I, I was finding myself just going, there's so much information out there. And I had to become like a little child again, man, and just go, God, help me. And I can honestly say, I, I this is kind of the fruit of that. I think God allowed me to go through it because it, it, you know, Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. And sometimes Christians, uh, they just act like, well, how in the world can you have doubt? You know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's been said before, I think that the person who says, I have no doubts, we ought to doubt him. Right. And I think it was Spurgeon that said that. Um, I, I think that, I think that, when you go through something like doubts or depression or addiction and these things, it makes you an empathetic person. Yeah. And a lot of times what happens is those who don't understand what it's like to suffer with horrific doubts or these things, they might not be the most empathetic people. I think we live in a culture that's a melting pot of beliefs and we need to understand if we're going to reach people that people are out there doubting. And if we're just going to say, just suck it up, just believe, uh, just preach the word. I, I, I get it. We need to preach the word. Yeah. And we do need to believe. But some empathy toward people who doubt and struggle can go a long ways. And so I've, I wrote this book for, for you if you doubt. 
And I wrote this book for um, you, you if you have doubts in the future, but I really feel like I deal with the different types of doubts, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, uh, you know, uh, those types of things. And I dig into it and I share my story in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And and as Bobby was saying earlier, very much like Timothy Keller, Bobby gives uh, a pastoral approach a lot of, to a lot of the different arguments, a lot of the different um, scenarios that come up that might cause doubt. And that's one of the things that I really appreciated about this book and was kind of my intro to uh, who you were and, and some of the content that you we're doing was reading um, Doubting Towards Faith, and so I really appreciated this book as well. So uh, we'll go to the last one, number 10, and this is another book that Bobby wrote uh, called The Fifth Gospel, and you took some flack for a misunderstanding. We oh, talked yeah. about that before on the show where, uh, you know, someone thought that uh, <laughs> that Bobby had uncovered or was claiming to have un- uncovered some other, you know, fifth manuscript or something like that, like the Gospel of Thomas that was like the Gospel of Bobby, <laughs> but that's not the case at all. Um, so what what is this book really about? because it's not about uncovering a a new manuscript. What's it really about? Yeah, isn't that interesting? And the lesson of that is, uh, you know, on on Glenn Bleck's The Blaze, the person interviewed me for it, and it was Christians who were crucifying me, basically, for the title. And I'm like, you guys are, you're killing your own. Like, the whole point of my book, like, just read it. And so it was a lesson, like, we have to learn how to read. Yeah. Maybe maybe starting like how do you read a book? Yeah. You know, because like we 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 just read we we catch things in blurbs and we get so judgy on people's blurbs and we don't understand the broader context. Right. I, I I'm Gypsy Smith was a British evangelist and he said there's five gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And most people will never read the first four. And so what I did with this is this was about how to be a living apologetic. You've been listening to Unapologetic with Dr. Bobby Conway, the one-minute apologist. I am your host, Tim Hall. Be sure to listen to Bobby on Pastor's Perspective Monday through Thursday, as well as like, share, and subscribe to the One Minute Apologist YouTube channel, where we have over 1,000 videos. We would also like to remind you that this is a listener-supported program. We would greatly appreciate your support in any amount so we could continue to provide this ministry. If you would like to be a part of our team in any capacity, please visit our website at oneminuteapologist.com. And while you're there, check out all of Bobby's books, courses, and even invite him to speak at your church or event. Thank you for listening to Unapologetic, where we defend truth without compromise. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa.